Hey there, welcome to the Clyde Podcast. This is Willow Weston, the founder and director of Collide. And today I have my friend Mike Neely on the podcast. He's been on it before. He just came out with his first and brand new book called Hearing the Heartbeat of God. And in this interview, we talk about whether or not hearing God is woohoo for crazy people only, the things that get in the way of hearing God, what ways God speaks, and how we can increase and cultivate our connection with God, ways we can kill intimacy with God, ways that past wounds and relationships are projected onto God that get in the way of us hearing. I mean, guys, we covered the gamut on this one. So my hope today is that this would truly help you wherever you're at. You're in your car, you're on the treadmill, you're cooking in your kitchen. I hope that God meets you and speaks to you through this podcast and that this conversation actually increases your sense that you have a God who knows you personally, loves you personally, and speaks to you personally. So here it is. Check it out. Mike, it's so great to have you on. I feel like this is twice in one year. That might be a record around here. Has it been? I know we did one. You did one with me before. Like I was between my time of having left here in Nueva and I hadn't started Emmaus Road Ministries yet, which was a year and a half ago when I started. Okay. But then yeah. you and I had one on my podcast. So. Yeah, we're just <clears throat> podcasting it up. Yeah. This is fun. But today, what's so exciting is to have you on. I know last time when we talked, you were working on a book, and now you have, like, in your hands, in people's hands. I've seen people share it. You're holding it right now. I love that so much. <laughs> I've seen people post and share about it already. They're mid-read, and they have amazing things to say. I'm so excited. I am, too. You. I am, too. Does it feel, we were just talking offline, and I know you said, you know, you've never given birth to a baby, but what does it feel like to have worked on something so long, to have felt a leading to do something, to dream about something, then finally, like, hold it in your hands? It's really surreal. <clears throat> I I mean, when when the idea first came to me, and, and I'd, I'd like to say that, like, the Lord said, invited me to do this. <clears throat> um, like the, the thought I had was, I, I love to teach on hearing God. I love that, that for me, particularly in the last 20 years of my relationship with God has been the most invigorating and life-giving part of my faith, of my interaction with God, is that God communicates and I, I can receive that communication in some way. And um, it, it just it just changed things from sort of this um, dry theological information interaction of faith to uh, a, a real relationship with a living friend. And and so the idea that oh I I want to write a book about this was like oh yeah I would if if there was anything I could write a book about this is what I'd write a book about and immediately. This thought comes, well, there's already a lot of books out about that. And I thought, well, that's that's true. I've actually read a lot of them. 
And then the, the opposing thought was, but your audience hasn't read those books. And I thought, oh, mm. I have an audience. Okay, I don't know who that audience is. Um, but I've, I've felt for some time that the things that God has shaped in me during my 13 plus years at Tierra Nueva are fairly unique in the body of Christ. And um, that God has wanted me to express those things more widely. And so that's part of why I have the podcast and, um, and part of what has sort of led into, into this book. And so it, that was, just that thought came to me probably four and a half years ago. And so I've been in this uh, process that like the, the first journey into the process was really, I was deeply influenced by Brad Jerzak's book, uh, Can You Hear Me? Tuning Into the God Who Speaks. Uh, that was very foundational for me uh, in, in just learning and creating spaces where I can give God my attention and engaging in those spaces with my imagination. Uh, and and so my, my first foray into writing was uh, basically Mike's version of Brad's book. And Brad was really generous about it. I, I Before I started writing, I went to Brad. He lives just across the border in Abbotsford. And I just said, hey, Brad, I've been so influenced by your teaching. And um, but I, I don't know where your teaching ends and mine begins. And so as I'm writing this, and he said, oh, well, just say that and go for it. And he was just just so generous in his encouragement and his affirmation. And he wrote the forward to the book. So that was that was a real blessing too. You know, but I think it's interesting that you were being invited to hear God while writing a book about hearing God. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like when I when when I first came into this season and I, I write about this in my introduction. Uh, sort of this new season with Jesus uh, after the summer of 2000, where I experienced uh, some freedom and, and inner healing. Um, I was just, I just wanted to pray a lot. And I got asked to be uh, in charge of the prayer ministry at the church that I was at. And then eventually I got asked to uh, do a sermon on prayer. And so I just dove into all these books on prayer and I'm writing my sermon. And then the Friday before the Sunday, uh, I'm leaving the coffee shop and I'm in my car and I realize I'm I'm writing, I'm preaching a sermon on prayer and I haven't even prayed. And so I, I just stopped and I said, Jesus, I'm so sorry that I haven't even asked you what, what is it you want your people to know? And even before I finished asking the question, what I heard was tell them that I love them and I want to spend time with them. And I thought, wow, I get to tell them that. What a what an honor and what a joy. And what an invitation. And cool. and so that's that's really the invitation of the book, too, is is tell them that I love them and I want to spend time with them. And I want to share what's on my heart with them. Like like one of the things that just uh was sort of transformed in me more and more during my years at Tierra Nueva is um I had unhealthy views of God that were part of what I call my heart theology, part of unhealthy, unhelpful, toxic theologies, um, part of my own woundedness and sin. And those were all filters that um, either I, what, the way they filtered the way that I saw God, they filtered the way that I perceived what God would say to me. 
And that was a lot of the journey that God took me on uh, in the writing of this book, which was, it's not simply about hearing God's voice. It's about um, hearing his heart. And, and um, it's like uh, St. Augustine said, Oh Lord, let me know myself that I might know thee. And that the, the journey actually into knowing God's heart more is a, a deeper discovery of our own hearts. And, and, and the converse is all, also true, that as I know my heart more, I'll actually discover God more. And, um, and it's both a, a liberating and somewhat terrifying journey, as I, I, as I know you know. <laughs> but the, <laughs> like where God led me with it was into a deeper revelation of my brokenness. And that that's exactly where I discover my belovedness. Like my, my belovedness isn't um, summed up in this self-improvement project that I project to the world around me. Uh, it's it's uh, down in the deep chasms of my heart, the, all the places that I hide. That's where Jesus wanted to go with me and say, this is the guy I died for. This is the guy that I love so much that I died for. Mike, you've mentioned Tierra Nueva multiple times, and and so I just feel like it's important to pause for a minute and and make sure people listening know because it sounds like it was such a um, such an impactful experience and played a role in you hearing the heartbeat of God. What is Tierra Nueva? So people understand what you're referencing. Yeah. So Tiernueva is a ministry uh, in Skagit County started by Bob and Gracie Ekblad. Um, it, it originally started in Honduras in the early 80s and then in Skagit County in 94. And uh, Tiernueva works with people uh, impacted by immigration and incarceration and addiction. Um, so it, it's a, a, really it's a ministry on the margins and yet it's also been very impacted by Bob and Gracie's experiences of the Holy Spirit that they had um, in 2004 when they went to uh, some Holy Spirit conferences in Canada. And so it, it it's kind of summed up in what Bob calls a theology of word, spirit, and street. So it's uh, he's a he's an Old Testament, uh, has his PhD in Old Testament, and so he's a a Bible scholar. He's written books on Bible studies. Uh, probably his most profound one was his first one called Reading the Bible with the Damned and, and how essential it is for us to read scripture with people on the margins, particularly if we come from any sort of a privileged point of view. And um, and then, uh, <clears throat> so so the word and then the spirit is like Holy Spirit empowerment for healing, for deliverance, for the prophetic, for wisdom, for all the things the Holy Spirit wants to do through us. Um, and then, um, and street is that it's social justice on behalf of these particular um, contexts where people are marginalized. So mm -hmm. the, that, I, I came out of a mainstream Presbyterian church in Seattle, um, on just on staff, pretty, you know, we were all white, and and uh, it, I was just I was uh, my position there got downsized in two thousand and seven, and I was uh, just hungry for the Holy Spirit. Um, I was having some experiences that I thought, man, my first twenty years and my my relationship with God just felt like dry obedience, and this is. 
life that I never thought was possible in my relationship with God of just a healing and freedom and um, just transformation seen in myself and and through the Holy Spirit with other people. Uh, just really exciting. And I just was like, wherever I go, I want I want to be able to tap into that. And mm-hmm. and it's like the Holy Spirit said, Well, I, I have I have something for you, but it's 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 outside of the box. <laughs> Which is where the Holy Spirit loves to go, is outside of the box. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Cause I when I was thinking about interviewing you, I really thought about people on this podcast listening and um some of maybe their experiences around the idea of hearing God, around not hearing God, baggage, religious baggage and hangups we have around it. So I wanted to throw out um, several questions to you. And one is is tied in with what you just talked about, which is that a lot of people think the idea of hearing God sounds very woohoo, like something that crazy people do. What made you convinced in your own life that it's actually very true and possible that God is not only real and alive, but that God speaks and we can experience hearing him? Mm. Well, I mean, for me, it, it, it really involved sort of inner healing um, prayer uh, in summer of, like I said, the first 20 years of my faith in Jesus was really felt like dry obedience and um, uh, like talking about the love of God, but not experiencing the love of God, um, feeling like uh, you're, you're doing sin management <laughs> and, and, and trying to be good by your own efforts and, and really not feeling sort of uh, any sort of victory. It felt like a lot of futility. And yet, like, like Peter says to, to Jesus, where else am I going to go? You have the words of eternal life, but it kind of sucks to be here. That's my own translation. And um, so, so it was, it was reading Neil Anderson's The Bondage Breaker. Um, and the subtitle in The Bondage Breaker is overcoming um, what, irrational thoughts, negative feelings, habitual sins. And I just like checked all three of those boxes. And, uh, and it, you know, he, he really sets up all sorts of stuff in there uh, in order to, to uh, go through these prayer exercises that are at the end of the book. And um, so none of that is talking about hearing God at that point. He's not even explicit about the Holy spirit. Um, Mm -hmm. But, but I know that as I prayed through that stuff, like the, the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, uh, where there, it says that, that some of them fell among the weeds and they grew up, but the, the weeds choked it off so that it didn't produce fruit. I feel like that was like a great description of my life. There was all these weeds that were choking off the fruit and praying through all of this stuff from the bondage breaker pulled a lot of weeds out so that not so that now God can do something, but so that now I can actually perceive what God is doing. I can actually, there's room for me to receive it. And that just, um, it, the, probably the most significant shift for me that happened at that point was prior to that, I was convinced that God was as disappointed in me as I was in myself because of my failure to overcome sin and obstacles in my life. And, and that led me to 
not want to get very close to God. <laughs> like, like if I if I think that God speaks, but I'm pretty convinced that what God is going to say is going to be condemning or shaming um, or criticizing, uh, I don't really want to hear what he has to say. And so even if I believe that God spoke at that point, I, I didn't want to come into his presence. I was actually terrified of it. And what shifted for me was I couldn't wait to go be with Jesus. Because those what I, what I was living out of were lies that were connected to my woundedness and my sin. And once, once I got healing and forgiveness and some freedom around that, like I just wanted to be with Jesus. And, um, and again, there wasn't like, oh, now you're going to hear Jesus speak. But it was, there was just a sense of, as I'm spending time with him, there's a sense of his, like, I'm, I'm not alone in the room. God's somehow here with me. Um, these thoughts are coming to me. I started writing music. Um, you know, even, even the idea of, of uh, hearing God's voice is, is maybe too limiting of a way to describe it. You know, I, I, I like to say more that God communicates in some fashion and we receive it in some fashion. So some people are very visual. They're, they're seers. Uh, they get images and pictures, uh, movies, visions. Uh, some people are hearers. Uh, so they might have a, uh, it might come as a thought or a, or a word or actually even a, a sense of hearing something. Um, uh, some people are, are more intuitive and sensors, like they're, they're, there's not even a, a word or an image where there's just a feeling or a sense about it. Um, gosh, there's one other one that I can't remember what it is. So it's, I find it helpful to to try and take some of the uh, the take it out of the box of of hearing uh, because there's just I think there's so many ways that God communicates and mm-hmm. um, and along the way so I that's when I got introduced to Brad Jerzak's book Can You Hear Me Tuning Into the God Who Speaks and and I love Brad just uh, he's so helpful. Uh, in in just sort of laying the table for us and and says like there's all sorts of ways that you're already hearing God and they all count and he starts off by saying the first one is invitation like if, if you if you consider yourself a, a, a Christian a follower of Jesus uh, scripture tells us that that no one comes to the father but that the father draws them that that no one comes unless there's an invitation and you're being drawn. Now, that invitation may not have sounded like a voice from heaven. It may have been, I heard Willow speak at this Collide conference, or my mom, or a book I read, or a series of, like for me, it was a series of invitations from my my Christian friends who kept inviting me to these church events over two years. And, and there were all these invitations to the point where I finally said, the deeper yes. Uh, and so so somehow God was communicating with me all along in that. But then uh, but then what Brad will say, because uh, when he, he uses the phrase tuning into the God who speaks, so he thinks of a, a radio, if anybody uses radios anymore, uh, but you can do preset buttons on your on your radio. And so he says, so invitation is a preset button. We already know that God communicates through invitation. So Maybe the question today is, Jesus, what's your invitation for me today? 
Is, is there something, uh, is there a conversation you're inviting me into? Is there a relationship? Is there an action you're inviting me into? And then, and then to pray that and to try to begin to cultivate attentiveness in some fashion to uh, how would I know if God was answering that? And, and, and mm-hmm. some of it is, yeah, I, I actually need to cultivate it. So, Mike, I have so many questions for you. I want to go backwards a little bit to you talking about this idea that you had about God, that he was as disappointed in you as you were in yourself. And so you kind of had this expectation on how the conversation with God would go, which made you not want to spend time (laughs) uh, talking to him or hearing from him. Yeah. And I'm curious if there was something you heard or learned about Jesus that changed your mind and changed your expectation that invited you to recognize that Jesus would be different than what you expected. Well, yeah, again, it it was Neil Anderson's book, The Bondage Breaker. So he... He spends a lot of time talking about uh, uh, his phrases, who I am in Christ. And that's all of it is utterly de- dependent upon what Jesus has done. None of it's dependent upon what I've done. Uh, and so he, he has these three, uh, he has like these lies or false beliefs that we, that tend to be probably under the surface but they they are in three categories of security, significance, and acceptance. And so there's these these beliefs that we have uh, about how the world works, about uh, what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about God and others uh, that fit into those categories. And then he counters each of them with a scripture uh, that has something to do with who we are in Christ. And and then he talks about the battleground. Uh, that that we have, we actually have a real enemy, like Satan is not a metaphor uh, for some disembodied evil. We actually have an an enemy, the enemy of the human soul, and and the primary battleground for that enemy is our minds. And and then that in Jesus we have authority over this enemy. So so like none of it was like absolutely new to me, but. But for whatever reason, the the Kairos moment of God's timing, the divine appointment was like, let's we're we're gonna we're gonna pull the curtain back and reveal the wizard behind the curtain. Like it was all like I don't think like I've gone to seminary, I've been doing ministry for years, and I feel like I've never heard this before. And uh and then the the process of of really like praying through some things, uh, some places of woundedness, um, and even recognizing lies. I believe like like God is as disappointed in me as I am in myself. Like that's that's a lie. That's not it's not scriptural. That's not the the Father that Jesus reveals, who always runs down the road to us. And so, actually, it, to name that as a lie, to confess it to. Um, um, maybe even get in touch with with where that lie came in. So a lot of that had to was connected to me and my relationship with my own dad. Um, and I talk about that in chapter four in my book called Heart Theology, that we we tend to relate to God like like we 
we can teach all of what we call the good orthodox right theology, uh, but we but in our hearts we relate to God through the lens that we receive from our primary nurtures, and that's mm-hmm. that's a that's our heart theology. And so, my heart theology in the story of the prodigal son, the father doesn't ro- run down the road to the son. He stays back at the house. And the son comes crawling up the driveway and the father's standing there with his arms folded across his chest and says, well, I'm, I'm glad you're home, but things are going to change. There's some rules. Well, that's not the father Jesus reveals. That's my dad. And, and so I need to do some healing there. And, and in particular, I had to do some forgiveness work towards my dad. And I talk about that a lot in there as well. And I love I love that so much of what we've talked about so far in this this conversation is a lot about almost what needs to take place in our hearts before we even want to hear God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's so much about, I mean, there's so much there that gets in the way of us even desiring to want to hear God. Yeah. And then when we get there, you know, you you were talking a few minutes ago about God often laying out an invitation. There's invitations around us all the time. I think sometimes when people hear that, they might think it sounds kind of like, oh, God hands you an invitation to a party. Um, I had a, a conversation with someone this week who um, who had an affair in their marriage. And, you know, as they're processing how they got to this place, they start kind of going backwards and talking about uh, not ever having experienced love growing up. And now that need to experience it is come out sideways and looking for it in the wrong places. And I, I, you know, in a long conversation, one of the things that I laid out was this is an invitation. Hmm. Invitation into deeper healing. Yeah. Like what has happened, what, what you've chose, what has happened to you, this, this terrible circumstance that you are now in is actually an invitation from God. Yeah. Deeper healing. And I think maybe we need to, sort of reframe what God's invitations look like. They're not always like, here's a, here's a um, invitation to a party. What, what are some other examples of how it might be evident that God's handing you an invitation? Well, uh, one of the things that I talk about a lot in the book, and this has been a, a way that, for the last several years, uh, I feel like God communicates with me is uh, what I call name dropping, where I'll just be, and it's usually not when I'm doing something quote unquote spiritual or religious. It's not when I'm having my quiet time or when I'm worshiping, although it's often when I'm making coffee, which is a form of worship for me. But um, <laughs> but it might be just driving, uh, and and out of nowhere. A name comes to me. So I get the name Willow. And I'm like, I haven't been thinking about Willow. So uh, that I suspect that that's from the Holy Spirit. And so I I will typically, uh, so the invitation is to enter into that. So the, the, the invitation has your name on it. And I open it 
and and my my typical approach is to just pray, Father, would you take Willow deeper in your love today? And I pray that for whoever's name comes to me. And then as I'm doing that, I'll I'll sit I'll sit with it for a while, and there may be a thought or a, that comes up. Um about work or about a relationship or or whatever, uh, or even a feeling like uh, suddenly as I'm praying, like I'll feel anxiety. Okay, well, I'm not feeling anxiety today. So maybe Willow's feeling anxiety. So Lord, would you speak into that? Would you bring your peace into that place of anxiety for Willow? And, and most of the time, I will then text that person and just say, hey, Holy Spirit dropped your name on me today. And this is what I prayed. And uh, let me know if there's other things that I can be praying for you. And I've found that, man, like 85, 90% of the time, like the timing of it and what I feel like God is leading me to pray is exactly what they needed at that moment. Mm-hmm. And so that's been a, uh, I mean, that's what I love about the invitation is it's an invitation to partner with God. Like mm-hmm. Paul calls us co-laborers with the spirit. And and that's that's part of what that is. And and what I love about that is like it's not I mean, when the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, it was for everybody. It wasn't just for ministry people and leaders. And that's mm-hmm. and, and even though I'm a ministry person and a leader, uh what I'm hoping is that people will recognize like this is for everybody. And you can do this anytime. This is not a this is not a church sanctioned event. This is not a, a program. This is this is you and the Holy Spirit um, today. And and it's a living relationship with, with a risen friend. When women gather together, showing up authentically as they truly are, messy, broken, and beautiful, amazing things happen. This is why we're so excited about our new Collide and Converse video Bible study. This six-week video series centers around New Testament stories of people having life-changing collisions with Jesus, taught by Collide's founder and director, Willow Weston. This Bible study is designed to be used in a group format and includes everything you need to host a group. So grab your neighbors, coworkers, sisters, or friends and dive into this study together and experience life-changing conversations. We are certain that as you gather with your group, you will collide with Jesus. For all the details, check out the link in the show notes and enter the special code CONVERSEPODCAST at checkout for 15% off the purchase of your course. You talked about the fact that there's so many ways that God communicates. Can you share a few more to sort of, because you mentioned you love to kind of take things outside the box. There's a lot of expectations. There's a lot of religious baggage around God communicates this way, and this is what it sounds like, and this is what it looks like, and he always uses these words. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that, I don't and know that tone of voice. That's my religious baggage voice, everybody. But no, for real, like, can you lay out... Um, some different ways God communicates because that will be an invitation for us to pay attention to. Yeah. Those. Well, I think, I mean, one of the ones that comes to mind just because I'm surrounded by books here is um, through, through books and music and art, 
and and it doesn't have to be religious stuff. It doesn't have to be Christian stuff. In fact, uh, quite often it's not. It's there's a you know you you're you're listening to this music and it moves you deeply. Like that's that's spiritual. That's kingdom stuff. You know, and it, it may so it it may not be like God is um, communicating to you to go do something. Or, or even that you would have more information about God, but it's simply like God's there with you, and He's blessing you, He's touching you, He's ministering to you, He's uh, He's wanting you to know that He's present with you. And so, I mean, some of the most profound um, books that speak to my heart are not Christian books. <laughs> and there, there's a lot of Christian ones that are as well, but like I, I remember going to. Um, I'm a big science fiction fan. My wife um, says, are you going to go watch your nerd show now? You know, <laughs> and uh, I say, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not ashamed of that. <clears throat> but so the, the the book Dune by Frank Herbert is one that I've, it's like the Lord of the Rings of science fiction. And, um, and it's, uh, I've read it many, many times and they've, they've come out with a, a new two part movie. The second, second half of it hasn't come out. And there's a, there's a point where the uh, main character, Paul, is with his father, who's the, the Duke. And the Duke says to Paul, <clears throat> you know, there comes a time when a man is called to lead. And, uh, and, and this is what it looks like to step into that. And, but he says, even, even if your answer to that call is no, you'll still be the, the only thing that I need you to be, which is my son. And I, like, I just like almost burst into tears in the theater. Like that was the Lord saying, yeah, I've got all these calls on your life, but even if you say no, you'll still be the one thing I need you to be, which is my son. So I I just love how like, yeah, there's, there's media out there. There's all, all these different ways that are just stuff we're regularly engaged with uh, that we often write off because it, 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 it's not happening at church. It doesn't sound spiritual or look spiritual. Um, and and friendship conversations. I mean, how how often have you sat with a friend and and they said something that that you'd been thinking or or that spoke into a, a a question that you hadn't even articulated yet? I mean, we often maybe experience that when a pastor is preaching or a speaker's up front. And you're like, man. Did somebody give them my journal this week? Because they're like reading my mail. But that happens at coffee shops with our friends too. You know, uh, you're sharing something and they say this thing. It's like, oh man, I really needed to hear that. Like that's the Lord. Like, and, and he's using your friend. Um, so there's I, there's that. I mean, nature. I love how, um, yeah, just my appreciation of <laughs> the Northwest where we live, like sometimes you're in these places where you want to keep taking the picture over and over again, because you're pretty sure, you know, the last time you took the picture wasn't what you're seeing now, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. like, you're getting a window into what the Bible calls glory, you know, the glory of the Lord. And, um, and I, I, it just blows me away to think like some, someday, like we're going to stand in the presence of, of God and, we won't have a camera, you know, <laughs> to keep taking the pictures. But there's just this this sense of of and, and Psalm 
Psalm 19 talks about this. Romans 1 talks about this, that through through creation, God's divine majesty uh, is is made known. Um, and, so, and obviously, Scripture is is uh, probably our core one. That that's how we know what what God is like, and and that we we measure and filter all the other stuff through. But like, there's all these ways that God speaks to us through Scripture. Whether it's like, okay, I've read this passage a hundred times, and today it seemed like there was a highlighter on this verse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or like I've had this question burning in me this week, and I decided to read the lectionary, you know, which is like something that was planned decades ago. So I don't, I, I didn't choose the passage, and then I read this, and it's like, oh my gosh, God's speaking directly into this question that that I'm wrestling with. I mean, there's so many we could spend a whole podcast talking about how scripture God uses scripture to speak to us. One question I do have about that, though, um, and times have even changed since I first collided with Jesus and my life was changed by him, you know, in the 90s when I was in my 20s. I'd never read the Bible. Never. I didn't know the gospel story. I, I just, it blew me away. But there's so, so many people who have issues with it right like they're they're sort of in a sense illiterate they they call themselves christians but it makes them feel dumb it makes them feel bored they've had people use it as a weapon uh i mean i could go on and on about people's issues with it and yet it is a way that god speaks about who he is, who he's been in history with humanity. There's this sort of beautiful narrative from front to end about his love for for his kids and what he would do for them. And I'm curious what invitation you have for us to maybe reframe why it's a beautiful way to hear from God. Well, it is it is the uh, human historic revelation, right? It's it's. Um, I mean, as you were talking before you asked that question, though, the the thought that I had is, like, scripture was always meant to be read in community, and mm-hmm. and we're not very good at community. I'm not, I'm sitting here in my basement by myself and doing ministry over zoom. Hey Mike, we're talking. Yes, we're talking. We are, right we now. are talking. <laughs> we're miles apart from one another, but we're talking, but, yeah. but you know, how often the, the word you, Y O U, uh, we, we are, uh, we have a Western individualist cultural mindset. And, and, uh, but the, the word you in scripture is most often plural and, and, and we are meant to read scripture with people different than ourselves. That's, as I said, with, uh, with Bob's book, reading the Bible with the damned, like how critical it is for us to read scripture with people, uh, who experience marginalization. Um, and he says for our mutual liberation, like we, we need one another as we read scripture. And so there's. I think there's a, a lot of ways I, I agree that scripture has been been weaponized and it's been used to control and 
and we get bored with it. And so there's, I think there's also really creative ways, you know, um, uh, approaches like uh, Lectio Divina, uh, sort of the reflective reading of scripture, or there's a Ignatian approach called imaginative contemplation, where you take a, a gospel passage and, and f- as you read it with your imagination, try to imagine yourself in the passage as a participant. And mm-hmm. uh, so there, there's ways, I think, in which to um, make it come alive. Uh, and, and I think it's, it's also so important for us to, to do that with one another, because my hearing is not pure hearing. My interpretations are not pure. My, my perceptions are not. And I, I need other people. And we need to give each other permission. We need to be kind about it, but we need to give each other permission to say, you know, well, I, I don't think that's Jesus, mm. what, you're, what you're bringing there. Um, but let, let's explore that a little bit more. Um, yeah, no, it's, that's awesome. I think that's a great invitation for us to be reading it in community. And what does that look like? And if we don't have it, what does it look like to step outside of ourselves and ask someone to enter in with us and read and hear God from his word together? I think that's great. I wanted to ask you, what do you believe kills intimacy with God? Fear. I think fear. I mean, that's in my own personal experience. Um, you know, and, and I think it's in the in First John. It says, uh, you know, perfect love casts out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. Uh, but though, um, I think it's like, and those those who fear are not perfected in love, and and the fear has to do with with the fear of punishment, like that. God's disappointed in me, and um, and He's not safe. He's not good. He's not trustworthy. Um, yeah. So the, <clears throat> uh, I, yeah, that for me, and and that's been a sort of a, a lifelong journey for me is is uh, healing and freedom around fear. And so, um, and and that and I still wrestle with it more more so actually with uh, you know. Uh, fear of conflict or or people pleasing that sort of thing, but but yeah, I think um, yeah, whatever whatever we're af- afraid of with God is going to be an obstacle. Like and God and God God can deal with our obstacles, and He wants to because He He wants to remove those things so that we can come close to Him. What does silence say about God? When we want to hear God, but we feel like He's silent. Well, I think, I think there's a lot of silence, and and I think we need. Um, Rich Viotis in his book, The Deep, Deeply Formed Light, says we need to befriend silence. Um, in terms of of our our prayer life. Um. But there also might be other reasons for silence besides the fact that there's just often a lot of silence in prayer, you know, so there, there might be silence because um, there's stuff I need to deal with in my life. There's um, um, I'm, I'm actually um, focused on something else. There's, there's sin I'm not willing to address in my life. 
Um, and so I'm wondering why God's not talking to me. Well, he, he was talking to me and I stopped listening <laughs> because I didn't want to hear what he had to say about this area of my life. Um, and, and sometimes it's, uh, the, the silence is, a is a waiting, you know, there's, there's, there's times, uh, I mean, you, as you describe with your book, you're in sort of this waiting for, all right, I, I've told the Lord what I need and I'm waiting. Um, and, and there's, there's things that, that we can learn about God in the waiting, but, but scripture is full of it. Like for God alone, my soul waits in silence. My help comes from him. Psalm 62, verse one, you know, be still and know that I am God. Um, we're, we're the ones that are uncomfortable with the silence and, but but I would say like if if there's a person who's coming and their desire is to hear God, to be uh, to grow in intimacy with God, um, that's again where where community can be helpful, which is let's listen together, mm. and and uh, and and maybe you actually are hearing some things, but you've just written them off as not God, and let's talk about that and. Well, actually, Willow, that actually sounds a lot like something Jesus would say. So maybe you are actually hearing from God, um, and and uh, or or let's let's explore uh, what, what's in the way. You know, um, uh, my friend, my friend Zach, who uh, uh, went through thirteen treatment centers before he finally got clean, and then uh, his his road of recovery included having to face obstacles. That were uncomfortable for him. Uh, he would regularly say uh, that the thing in the way is the way. And so, okay, Jesus, I want to talk to you about silence. I feel like you're not talking to me. What's going on there? You know, and and is there something I need to know? What's the most important thing I need to know right now? Is there something I need to do? Um, but I, I also found uh, there was a point <clears throat> where. I, I kind of had it out with God and I just said, I feel like I'm the pursuer in this relationship. Like, I, I know that's not theologically true. Like we wouldn't even be having this conversation if you hadn't loved me first. Like, but, but I really feel like I'm doing all the work here. And I know that's even stupid to say, but that's my, what I feel. Um, and, and along the way uh, I realized that, Oh, that's actually how I felt in my relationship with my dad. And and the Lord led me through that to say uh, to actually do some very specific forgiveness work toward my dad, um, who's who's been passed away since 2008. And so he wasn't even alive as I was doing this work. Um, but it was it was, uh, you know, to forgive my dad for not being a pursuer in our relationship and for expecting me to be the pursuer all the time. And um and then when I was done with that, then I, I, I said, and Father, I recognize that I've actually taken that framework and I've unconsciously or subconsciously put it on our relationship. And so I, I renounce that and I'm looking forward to how you're going to pursue me, God, and how I'm going to experience that pursuit. And it was, a, it was still a couple months after that, but that's when the name dropping first started to happen for me was, was following that sort of prayer work. Um, it's so interesting how much of our 
wounds that we've experienced in other relationships get carried into our relationship with God. And also the counter to that, the, the beauty we've experienced into other relationships can also be projected onto what our relationship with God can look like. Cause I think about, you know, and I understand cause I have mother and father wounds and mm-hmm. have God has, you know, taken me through the ringer on that <laughs> stuff and I'm still in it. But I also, after being married now, Rob and I have been married 25 years And I see silence with God differently because Rob and I can get in the car and drive to Portland and we can talk for hours. We can just chat and chat and chat, but we can also sit and like stare out the window and go for a walk and hold hands or, or listen to music. We don't have to talk. And I think there's this weird thing in Christianity in, in expectations that God should just be chatting at us all the time and we should be chatting at him all the time. And I think there's an element to God maybe that I've learned from my relationship being married that God also just wants to be with you. Yeah. Like he also just wants to go on a walk with you. Yeah. He also just wants to sit in a car with you and listen to music. Like maybe we all just need to chill out a little bit. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because even uh, the the danger of of telling the stories of hearing God is it makes it sound like that's what it's like all the time, and and it's not. It's mm-hmm. it's mostly like you're describing. Like yeah, I'm just walking, and I know Jesus is with me, and and we're good like that. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, do you have anything, any closing last thoughts that you want to share when you think about people listening who truly long and desire to hear from God, but they just, they kind of feel like it's for other people and not for them. What what can they do? Where can they start? Mm. Well, I would, I would. I would invite them to to pray or just ask Jesus, would you show me where you're al- you've already been speaking to me that I haven't noticed? And would you help me to be attentive to that? Because hmm. I know that God's already speaking to them. Without a doubt, God's already speaking to them. And for whatever reason, they're not perceiving it. And, and it would maybe take a long time of time together to sort of discern what what the obstacles are or or whatever. But I know that everybody that's listening, God has been speaking to them. He formed them in their mother's womb. They are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And he's communicating with them. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would show them some of the ways that you've already been doing that. Help them and and help them to become aware of that and and then give thanks. Oh, thank mm. you, God! I didn't realize that that was you. I love that so much. And for those of you listening, I truly hope that you pray that prayer. Help me to be attentive to what you're already saying. We'd love to hear the stories. But Mike, I know people are going to want to 
this book. <laughs> How can I do it? Well, it's available on Amazon. Uh, Hearing the Heartbeat of God is the name. And uh, my, I guess my author's name is Michael Neely, even though I just go by Mike. It, it looked better on the cover to say Michael than Mike. So, but I go by Mike. Yeah, so it's all available on Amazon. It's actually uh, under... Um, Bob Ekblad's People's Seminary Press, but it's it's functionally, it's self-publishing through Amazon. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mr. Michael Neely, <laughs> for being on the podcast and helping us to better hear the heartbeat of God. Thanks, Willow. It's been good to be here. Friend, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I know that I did. I love that God lays out invitations for us through so many different ways. And all we have to do is begin to pay attention, to look up, to be attentive. And I love that prayer that Mike gave us at the end to ask God how he might already be speaking to us and we didn't perceive it. What a beautiful prayer and a brave prayer. And I can't wait to hear stories from you guys that that you hear God even answer that prayer. If if that happens for you, I hope you email in to collide at info at wecollide.net because I want to hear about it. I love God's stories. I love hearing how God speaks and moves and and meets us. And I know that he is waving at you. He's around every corner. He's journeying with you. He is in the car with you. And sometimes he just wants to hang out. He wants to be with you. Sometimes he wants to encourage you. Sometimes he wants to exhort you. Sometimes he wants to shape you and refine you. Sometimes he just wants you to know that he loves you with a mad, fierce, unconditional love. So friend, keep colliding and running into him. He will speak. 